On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Sandy Monroe stops by to talk Cybertruck Model Y and more. Jay Leno stops by Tesla's design studio in Hawthorne to drive the Cybertruck. Plus, Tesla reduces their prices and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to episode 252 of Ride the Lightning. It is your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast, this one for May 31st, 2020. And first, I wanted to start off by saying a welcome and a thank you to the new patrons, the kind folks that uh, heard my message last week at the top of the show and kindly uh, started supporting me on Patreon. It makes a huge difference to me, and I am just humbled and grateful. I thank you very much for that. And on that note... The next Patreon-exclusive monthly bonus episode, that's all the extra calls that I can't get to in the course of the regular month of shows, they all go there. That I expect to get done this weekend. It's on my weekend to-do list. So if you are at the appropriate tier for that that uh, reward or higher, be on the lookout for that. I mean, you'll get an email, so no big de- deal there. But that should be in your inbox by the weekend's end. Basically, by the time you hear this, if all goes well. All right, well, there is plenty to talk about in the world of Tesla this week. Fun stuff, actually. This is a really, really fun week. Sandy Monroe is on the show this week. Uh, Stay tuned for that later on after the news segment. I was able to get that interview done this week. I always get nervous. I mentioned it last week just because I had the Sandy Monroe clip and I'd had the interview lined up, but I usually don't like to say those things ahead of time just because I feel like it's just tempting fate, like some sort of scheduling issue happens and then the interview gets postponed. And that's why I never mentioned the Elon interview until it actually happened, because you just never quite know. But uh, thankfully, I was able to sit down remotely, obviously, with Sandy Monroe and talk uh, about the Cybertruck, the Model Y, a little bit of Roadster. So stay tuned for that later in the show. But first, I wanted to start out with Jay Leno's Garage. So that episode did indeed air the new season of Jay Leno's Garage. Uh, It seems like I saw parts of it on NBC, on CNBC, so it seems like it airs on on at least a couple of the the NBC networks. But in any case, the episode uh, had some other non-Tesla things in it, but Weave Throughout was a bunch of stuff with Elon. It really, I would say, it starred the Cybertruck vehicle-wise, but it did also feature the semi-truck and the Roadster, and I want to start by playing you a clip of Jay Leno driving the Cybertruck talking to Elon Musk. Check this out. I mean, it feels very much like any other Tesla. You've got instant acceleration. The greenhouse is fabulous. I love how open it appears to be. And how close is this to what it will look like in production? At Tesla, we always want to have the production car be better than the show car. It it always drove me crazy when 
manufacturers would come out with this cool-looking show car, and then the actual production car would be way worse. Right, uh, right. And you're like, man, you got us all excited about this sweet-looking car, and then the production one is not is terrible. We won't do show cars that aren't real. So I think we got the proportions here pretty close. What would you change on when it were finally reaching production? What do you think you would do? We're five percent too big, and if we just take all the proportions and drop them by about five percent. Oh, oh, you mean all the way around? Yeah. So it's got to fit in a normal garage. Right. Yeah. And there's like there's lots of little details that uh, people wouldn't necessarily pick up consciously. Just improving visibility, H- having the glass like this is, right. is actually quite hard because it's so sloped. Is that a special kind of glass? Is that different oh, yeah. well, than normal windshield glass? Um, we are going to be using um, effectively uh, a form of armored glass right. for the car. And the door panels, of the car are the 300 series stainless steel, and it's so tough that it's bulletproof to a handgun. And, and why is that important to you that it be bulletproof? I mean, I don't, this is badass and well, yeah, okay. super cool. That's super cool. <laughs> but see, I like I mean, that answer. It's I mean, a good answer. Do you want your truck to be bulletproof or not? Well, yeah, I guess sure. I, I guess I want my truck to be bulletproof. Yeah, sure. exactly. But, you know, you never know. When the apocalypse comes, you should be glad it's bulletproof. We want to be a leader in apocalypse technology. Exactly. <laughs> Well, you heard Elon say there that the Cybertruck would be 5% smaller in the end. He actually walked that back before the episode aired, whether by coincidence or not, but he uh, took to Twitter to address that. So plans have indeed changed since Elon recorded that, which, granted, he recorded that before the pandemic for sure. I don't recall exactly when off the top of my head, but anyway, it's far enough back that, that Elon is now deciding no, They're going to stick with it. He took to Twitter this week saying, quote, reviewed the design with Franz last night. Even 3% smaller is too small. It will be pretty much this size. We'll probably do a smaller, tight world truck at some point, end quote. So then that means the Cybertruck will remain about exactly the same size as an F-150 because that's, you remember from the the initial reveal in November, that was the metric, that was the barometer against which the Cybertruck was measured from a size perspective. Remember Elon saying, we didn't cheat, it's the same proportion, same size as an F-150. Now any future truck, he mentions there that, Uh, that would be smaller and lighter, I would imagine, would also have to be a Cybertruck. It would have to be in the Cybertruck family, call it, if you will, Cybertruck Jr. Uh, Because, seriously though, the the stainless steel exoskeleton, that, that method of building the truck that they're using, I mean, that is a big reason, if not the big reason, that Tesla can make the Cybertruck as relatively affordable as it is. because And if they were to build a quote-unquote traditional smaller pickup truck with regular manufacturing processes like a paint shop and a full assembly line and, and use a, a mix of steel and aluminum in the, con, in the construction the way they, they do with the Model 3 and the Model Y, I would imagine that that would probably cost more than the base big Cybertruck does. In fact, later on in the podcast, in the here's a teaser, in the Sandy Monroe interview, towards the end, he addresses the cost of paint. And it's it the number, it shocked me, maybe it'll shock you too. So um, that's part of the reason why I say I feel like, I mean, the, the, the Cybertruck method would probably have to be applied to a potential smaller Tesla pickup as well. So... 
We'll have to keep an eye on that. But first, Tesla's got many hundreds of thousands of full-size Cybertruck orders to fill. All right, elsewhere in the segment, Jay Leno checking out the Tesla Semi. Here's Elon and Jay talking about that. Now, truckers are kind of like Harley riders and Porsche 911 owners. They conform to a certain type of deal. How do you convince them that this is better than what they have? Uh, yeah, this should be way uh, cheaper to operate. So if you're uh, driving a uh, you know, rig across country, uh, the cost per mile matters a lot. It's, right. it's, it's, it's fundamental. Um, and uh, the cost of electricity is much lower than the cost of, of, of diesel. Well, sure. For most um, truckers, the price of gas is different between making a profit and breaking even. We think uh, the, the cost per mile will be probably less than half that of a diesel. Wow, okay. Yeah, so it's okay. kind of a no-brainer on a cost per mile basis. Then the, just in terms of fun to drive, it's the size of a semi, but it's, it's got the acceleration of a, of a sports car. Right, right. So, like, let's say you're pulling a big load and you want to get on the freeway. Uh, it could be, you know, 80,000 uh, pounds max gross safely. So this, and this can pull 80,000 pounds? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. It, so, can, it can pull more than that, except that's the legal limit. So nothing really new in that particular segment, but I still think it's cool to hear Elon say, number one, that the limited production is still due to start this year. Until I remembered, again, that this was filmed before the pandemic, so it's very, very possible that the timeline Elon mentioned there at the taping has since been pushed back. In fact, you remember, Elon spoke about that very thing in a general way, not specific to the semi, but he did speak about things being set back by the pandemic and by the shutdown on Joe Rogan's podcast just a couple weeks ago. But still, still nice to hear Elon talk about the semi truck because really Tesla hasn't said anything about the semi in a while. So even hearing not particularly new information just feels good. It's exciting. It's like, yes, this is still happening. Uh, on that exact note, here is Jay asking very enthusiastically about the Tesla Roadster. Take a listen to this. This is the third and final clip I've got for you from Jay Leno's garage. And of course, my favorite, yeah. This is the one I'm waiting the for. New, the new Roadster. Great looking car. The new Roadster will be a whole new platform. Right. Ready to go for a little ride? Last year, Chief designer Franz von Holzhausen took me for a hair-raising ride in this demo, the fastest accelerating streetcar I've ever been in. We're going to be kind of unfair from a technology standpoint. For example, it's going to have uh, an option to have uh, rocket thrusters. Rocket thruster? Yes, from SpaceX. All right. Yeah. How, uh, how does that work? See, I don't know when you're kidding and when you're not. Now. No, in this case, I am serious. You're going to have rocket thrusters. Um, okay. Yes. And what will provide the thrust? There's no fuel in the car. No, we're going to use ultra-high-pressure compressed air. Oh, I see. Okay. It's a cold gas thruster. Okay. All um, right. The main thruster will be like uh, behind the license plate. Right. So uh, for acceleration, it drops the license plate, and just and, and that behind license plate is a rocket thruster. That's like full-on James Bond. The base model will do 0 to 60 in uh, 1.9 seconds. Wow. So the James Bond-style license plate retraction and thruster, <laughs> letting, it, letting it loose, that's pretty cool. Now remember, there are supposedly other thrusters around the bottom of the car on the SpaceX package version of the Roadster as well. But yeah, how cool is it that the main one... <laughs> is going, how cool is that main rear thruster going to look? You know, if just hypothetically you were accident to accidentally 
push the button to activate it in the car with somebody behind you on the freeway and nothing but open space up ahead. You just think the, the person behind you just sees the license plate come down, a cold gas thruster, and then per Elon's previous descriptions of this, apparently it'll make a really loud noise and then just boom, the car's gone. So uh, that will be pretty cool. Although again, just I'm, I'm saying this with a laugh and a smile. It's seriously, it is almost certainly not going to be safe to ever use the SpaceX package on public roads. I would have to imagine that those thrusters are only going to be for track use only. And even then, on the track, at least speaking for myself, I, I would really want to make sure I had some kind of professional driving instruction before ever turning those things on because they're just, they're going to be crazy. That's going to be, uh, I cannot wait to see that thing in action. Now, as to the rest of the segment throughout the episode, nothing really new information-wise. I just wanted to play you a few interesting clips, but, you know, that wasn't all that unexpected. After all, Elon, as I said, was, as you know, was just on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about how he couldn't reveal, he couldn't talk details about the Plaid Model S or about the Roadster until those cars got their pro proper product unveilings. For me, the thrill of watching this Jay Leno's Garage episode really, honestly, was uh, not only, as I said earlier, just hearing hearing about them again, but but literally seeing them, seeing them out and and in natural light. And in the Cybertruck's case, you got to see it on the road a little bit too, because we just don't really get that at Tesla events, which, and I say this respectfully, but but I got to be honest, the, the Tesla events usually have pretty poor stage lighting and they're at night. So you don't really get a great look at the cars that are that are being unveiled. I mean, the Roadster, in my humble opinion, I've said this before, but it looks almost alien in, in the daylight. Just it looks like it came from, from 2050 back in time to annihilate all of the gas-powered sports cars. And the Cybertruck in daylight looks very, well, quite frankly, cyberpunk when it's out in the sunlight as well. I mean, I, I, of course, can speak from personal experience here. I recognize the cool glow of that stainless steel body in the sunlight very, very well from my DeLorean days. You know, it's funny, both, I mean, sunlight and artificial light, and any, any and all kind of light reflects off of stainless steel very differently than it reflects off of a traditionally painted car. Uh, and another thing I would add, too, if uh, if you're thinking about whether or not to take the time to actually go watch this Jay Leno's Garage segment, you get a brief but still really nice, clear look at the Cybertruck's dashboard and steering yoke in daylight, which, again, we haven't really gotten. There are a whole bunch of test ride videos from the unveiling event, including my own. I mean, I posted mine on, on my YouTube page, but they're all at night. They're all under, it's, it's dark, so it's tough to really see it. So you get a good look at that. So I would say, give the segment a watch, give the show, the episode, I should say, give it a watch if you can. Uh, they take the Cybertruck through the Boring Company test tunnel uh, there next to SpaceX. They play with the vault cover uh, on the the back of the Cybertruck, they it shows it in action like there's a button that'll where it'll automatically 
retract and then deploy. So you get to see that and, and some more stuff too. So Jay Leno's Garage, check that out. Moving on this week, more excellent Tesla news if you are in the market. Three of the four currently produced Teslas have gotten themselves a price drop. I want to give a hat tip to InsideEVs.com. That's where I first saw this story. The Model Y is unchanged in price. Not a surprise there. It's the newest vehicle. They're still ramping up production. Therefore, they've got plenty of demand that's yet to be met there. But the other cars got some nice price reductions. $2,000 on the Model 3 and $5,000 each on the Model S and the Model X. Though in that latter case with the S and the X, there is a trade-off. There is now current, well, at least for now, no more free supercharging on any newly purchased, on any new Model S or Model X. So thus, if you're, if you're curious, the standard range plus Model 3 now starts at just under $38,000 while the base long-range Model S, again, 400-mile range car, starts at just under $75,000. That is a, for what you're getting, is a heck of a deal, I think. Again, it's obviously still a, not, a, not the, the cheapest car on the planet, obviously, but seventy-five grand for what you're getting, my goodness, that is impressive. And then the base long-range Model X, starting at just under 80,000. So I see one of two possibilities here as the reason behind this price drop. And I want to acknowledge it's entirely possible that it might in fact be both. So first, Tesla might just be looking to goose demand here in what is the, uh, well, not really so much the middle of the quarter anymore, heading towards the, the latter part of Q2 which is probably going to be a tough uh, quarter because the, the company was shut down, the factory was shut down there for the first, what, first entire third of the quarter, first month of the quarter. So uh, they might just be looking to goose a little demand, which, uh, granted, I would think would probably not be a great sign in a vacuum for Tesla continuing their current streak of three straight quarters in the black, but then again, my other my option too, my other thought here is it's possible that Tesla's margins per vehicle, which is something that Tesla has been lauded for by Wall Street recently, that that margin per vehicle has improved even more uh, in recent weeks and months, and that they're just Tesla's deciding, well, let's just eat into those bigger margins a little bit try and pass the savings on to buyers in, in, again, what is now a very uncertain economic time. Regardless, uh, which, again, maybe it's one, maybe it's the other, maybe it's both, maybe it's something I'm missing entirely, but regardless, I will say this. With the Model 3 specifically, I really think, I mean, I've, I've said this about the Standard Range Plus before, but it's, so I'm going to just reiterate it now. I think the, the Standard Range Plus is an incredible value. If, uh, if you're considering a Model 3, by all means, I would tell you, I very much recommend buying as much range as you can afford. Range is king. If you're able to swing the long range, I highly recommend doing so. 
You, you don't know in what ways that might come in handy during the life of ownership with the car. Of course, winter weather will, will sap some of that range. Uh, hot summer weather with the air conditioning can eat into that a, a bit as well. There are all sorts of circumstances and conditions where, you know, you, having more range is, is pretty much always a good thing. But if you're looking for, you know, you're, you're trying to break in any way you can to a Tesla, $38,000 for what is a 250 mile range car. Remember, it used to be 240. 250 mile range car that you can take anywhere thanks to the supercharger network. This car can could be your only car. You, it's not a thing where, oh, well, it's just a city car, which again, as I think the, I, I like the Chevy Bolt. I think it's, uh, they've still got their incentives and with those incentives, it's a, it's a reasonable buy. It's got an, a, about a 200, I think 40. They might've even revised their range too. I admit I haven't kept, kept much track of it, but realistically, the Bolt is, is only a city car. You can't drive it uh, two states over to go visit your in-laws. It's just not a car you can do that with because of the charging infrastructure. But, but the uh, Standard Range Plus, 250 miles, supercharger network, it also gets all of the same software updates that the rest of the Tesla fleet does. To me, that is just a really impressive package, and that's even without any federal tax incentives, which, of course, have uh, long since expired now. Some states, though, still have them, which means uh, for some people, it could even be a couple, few, or a few thousand dollars less than even that $38,000. So the Standard Range Plus Model 3, just that is a tremendous value in my humble opinion. Next this week, uh, I've got a few more stories. This one is in regards to Tesla's annual shareholders meeting. It will take place this year on July 7th, which is a month later than usual. Typically, it's in early June. Uh, Presumably, uh, I'm guessing it was pushed back so that Tesla can hopefully have it in person. And yes, uh, they are indeed intending to do just that at the usual spot, which is the Computer History Museum in Mountain View, California, which is not too far from Tesla's corporate headquarters in Palo Alto. So that is the intention, at least for now. Tesla did issue a statement on that topic, noting, quote, although we currently intend to hold the 2020 annual meeting on July 7th, 2020, and in person, we will continue to monitor public health and travel safety protocols required or recommended by federal, state, and local governments. If necessary or advisable to protect our personnel and stockholders, we will change the date, time, location, and or format of the 2020 annual meeting. So it sounds like they're very much open to it being a totally uh, live stream digital virtual event where I'm sure they that shareholders could still register and submit questions, which which then uh, you know, somebody at Tesla is going to choose those. Now, even if you're not a shareholder, if it's safe to do so at the time they hold this, and if, if indeed it gets held in person, it might be worth swinging by. I'm actually, I'm, I'm already thinking about it, uh, thinking about just going down there, not even sitting in, uh, because last year, 
they had the Model Y prototype and the Roadster prototype parked out front on display. So this year, that means if they were to do the same thing, uh, and b by the way, the year before that, they had the white uh, Roadster Mule. That would have been 2018. So the one that's the, not the red drivable, fully functional one, but just the, the rolling mule, that white one. So you still, you still got to see the Roadster in, in all its proportions. So the last two years now, they've had prototypes sitting out front of the shareholder meeting. So uh, this year, could very, they could very well have the Roadster again and the Cybertruck. You might get a chance to see it in person. I mean, it'll be, it'll be roped off, of course, but you get a chance to see it in person, uh, potentially. And it would be, again, in daylight, which I highly recommend you take the opportunity to do that if you if you have the chance to do it if you're in the Bay Area, and again if it's if it's safe to do so from a public health perspective. So, July seventh, circle the calendar there. I will of course have full coverage on that on whatever episode follows July seventh. I guess that'll be the uh, what is it? It's going to be the July twelfth episode of this podcast. And next. Model three, more good news this week. I, this is a this is a fun week. All bunch of all fun stories. The Model three was the number one selling car in California. Period for Q1 2020. Saw this story on Clean Technica. The Model three beat out the Honda Civic, the Toyota Camry, the Toyota Corolla, and the Honda Accord, according to data from. The California New Car Dealers Association. Now, you may remember I've reported their data before, as uh, and when I've previously talked about this in their their uh, reports, the Model Three had been had moved up the California charts, but hadn't yet topped them. Now it has done so. The Model Three selling, or well, I guess there were this many registrations, which okay, we'll just for simplicity's sake, we'll call it sales. 18,856 Model 3s sold in California in Q1 2020. 18,001 Honda Civics. So, you know, not it's it's close, but it's not razor thin. It's a it's a reasonable uh, amount. The Camry, 17,871, not too far behind the Civic. The Corolla at 155 and the Accord at 12.5. And then I, I just, I mentioned this one more car here, and I promise I'm not trying to do any any fanboy, like, you know, Nelson from The Simpsons, like, ha ha, none of that, but I, I'm gonna mention the BMW 3 Series sales that were in this report, only because Tesla themselves, meaning Elon, before the Model 3 came out, had always used the 3 Series as the benchmark to measure the Model 3 up against. That was the car that the 3 was sort of targeting. Like we that's that was the customer base. That's who uh, that was the the, com the main competitor that Elon saw the, uh, for the Model 3. And the 3 series again, Model 3 18,856. The 3 series in Q1 in California did 3,473. So uh, an incredible discrepancy between those two cars. And it's, again, I'm not trying to dance on any graves, not that the <laughs> 3 Series is dead, but I say that only to point out the incredible success 
that the Model 3 continues to be and so well-deserved. I want to say, in all sincerity, congratulations to the Tesla team here. They earned it. They absolutely earned it. The Model 3 is just a phenomenal car. I love mine. I have said this before, but the Model S, 2012, the S had to be great because the company would have straight up died if it had been if it had been anything less than a home run it, it could have been a good car a good car and but the company still probably would have failed it had to be a great car a car of the year which it was in order to get anybody just out of that traditional internal combustion engine mindset in that luxury sedan segment to come over and say, you know what, I'm going to look at this Tesla Model S. It had to be that, I, I say perfect, I don't mean it in the literal sense, but it had to be that good, and it was. Then you had the Model X, which, hey, it shot for the moon. It didn't quite make it sales-wise. It's a car full of a, a ton of cool tech, and it is an amazing vehicle, but it's got, it had its quirks, it had its... its uh, build quality issues, it's it's challenges early on. You've heard Elon say a million times, it's the Fabergé egg of, of automotive uh, <laughs> production. And then, of course, the Model 3 comes next, which, like the S, had to be a home run. It had to. Or else Tesla, again, might not have made it. Elon has called it a bet the company moment. But maybe, okay, at the very least... If the three had been less than a home run, then maybe Tesla would have only ever been a niche luxury automaker making S's and X's and maybe a Roadster and that's it. And guess what? The Model 3 team nailed it in concept and in execution. It is wonderful. As I said, I adore mine. I know many of you love yours. And hopefully the Model 3 will still be ascending sales-wise even with the Model Y now making its way into the marketplace. So congrats to the Tesla team, Model 3 number one in California for the first quarter of 2020. Finally this week, one more story before I get to the Sandy Monroe interview. Elon Musk is now on paper, anyway, in present day stock value, $775 million richer. CNBC reports Tesla confirmed that CEO Elon Musk earned the first tranche of his massive incentive payout in a document filed with the SEC on Thursday. The tranche is comprised of about 1.7 million shares of Tesla and would be valued around $775 million based on Thursday's closing market value. The stock was actually up uh, a little bit <laughs> on Friday, so add a little more to that. Uh, Thursday's filing, which also set a July 7th date for the shareholders meeting, which I just told you, said as the date of this uh, as of the date of this proxy statement, one of the 12 tranches under this award has vested and become exercisable, subject to Mr. Musk's payment of the exercise price of $350 per share and the minimum five-year holding period generally applicable to any shares he acquires upon exercise. Uh, so I guess as uh, pulling back from CNBC's report for a second, I guess it's not necessarily, he, he, he wouldn't be netting $775 million in today's stock value because he had to buy in 
at 350 bucks, 350 bucks a share. But anyway, uh, CNBC continuing, it is not clear if Musk has yet exercised the options. Musk earned the first portion of his stock options for keeping the company's market capitalization, this is what it took to get this, at a $100 billion market cap on a 30-day and six-month trailing average. Musk does not take a salary at this point. Here's the, here's the interesting part. He owned about 18.5% of the company as of May 1st, according to FactSet, a stake worth around $24 billion. By Thursday, the proxy filing revealed Musk's stake in the company had risen to 20.8%. Well, there is absolutely no doubting from anyone at this point that Tesla has done incredible things, things that with all, with nothing but respect to the thousands of brilliant, hardworking Tesla employees, I do believe that, that Tesla would not have done what they have done, or at least not as soon as they have done them without Elon. So uh, I think this is, I, I say, get paid, Elon. You deserved it. You earned it. And I am glad to see him be in control of a larger chunk of the company. All right, that wraps it up for the Tesla news this week. Stick with me, though. I'm going to throw it to the Master Chief himself, Steve Downs, and then I'll come right back with the Sandy Monroe interview. It's about 27 minutes long, I think. We had a nice conversation. I hope you enjoy it, and then stick with me. I'll come back after that with your pro tip of the week and closing thoughts. So here comes Sandy Monroe. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. My guest this week, I'm extremely pleased to be joined by Sandy Monroe, the CEO and, per his official job title, Design Profit at Monroe and Associates. Sandy, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. So, as I've been telling my audience uh, week after week here on Ride the Lightning, I have been uh, learning a lot from your videos as someone who, I mean, I, I already, uh, I, I say this humbly, I already kind of feel like I know a lot about Teslas just from owning one and being so interested in them, but I've learned <coughs> a lot more that I never knew thanks to your videos. And, and the first thing I wanted to ask you is how many hours, you know, you put up 40 videos on the Model Y. Uh, how many hours did you and your team actually spend with the car dissecting it? Like, what? How much time goes into a project like that? Oh, oh. Um. Okay, I'm gonna run out of fingers and toes here. <laughs> I'm gonna just let me think here for a second. It's probably about five and a half or six uh, man years. I believe so there's it. about. 2,000 hours in a, in yeah. a year, man year. Uh, yeah, I would say, uh, uh, yes, I would say that it's at least that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's unbelievable. I mean, it's, uh, what's, what surprised you as, as you worked on the Model Y, uh, you started with it in one piece and you drove it a bit and then you started tearing it apart. What surprised you the most about the Model Y at, at the end of the project? Surprised me the most. <clears throat> um, actually, I have to tell you, I uh, I used to race cars, um, and probably one of the things that I was the most surprised at was how quick and how agile and how 
defined the ride is. Uh, that, that's something I was not quite expecting. That thing, um, that thing rides like it's on rails. It's yeah. got a very nice ride. Like I, I've said it a couple of times, I drive a Jeep Wrangler, so I don't, <clears throat> I don't really get a nice ride very often. But, but I, I will tell you, the, the ride is phenomenal. And like I said, I used to race, and that, that car, I take that on a track tomorrow, even though I'd probably lose. But <laughs> I, I spun around the corner um, into, uh, into our driveway. Yeah. When I first got it, and uh, and I was up around uh, 50, 60 miles an hour, and that thing, I, I didn't even hear the tires squeak. Right. It was a it was a, a fabulous ride. Um, everything else is similar to what the uh, the Model Three was from a ride and drive standpoint, but but the uh, the how fast that you can, I mean, that thing really hops. Um, I really I really enjoyed that car. As a matter of fact, it's the first EV I've ever recommended. Period. Yeah, I played that clip of, of you <coughs> saying that, which was, uh, you know, I, I said to my audience, I thought it was high praise coming from you. You I mean you've you've literally seen it all, so pretty it was, much. Uh, yeah, it's great to hear that. Yeah, it's uh, you, you. Of course, you had driven, you drove, and tore down a performance Model Y uh, for the exact reasons you mentioned. I had waited. I I waited to buy the performance Model Three. So I. Because you had done the teardown, your experience was with one of the original rear-wheel drive uh, non-performance Model 3. So I could imagine how stepping up to a performance Model Y would uh, would really knock your socks off. It's it's really quite a <laughs> difference in the two in the motor setup and, and the two cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's a it's a, it's an amazing difference. Amazing. So. What t- what is the most fun part of your job at th- at this point? Is it is it is it really fun <laughs> getting to, paid to, to live well? <laughs> is, is it fun to actually to literally tear into a car, or is there another aspect of it that that appeals to you more? It's exciting. Um, I like uh, like a lot of vehicles are pretty boring. They're the same old, same old. They have a different skin, or uh, maybe they have some. Um, some small attribute or something that uh, that makes them unique, but for the most part, they're the same over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, this car, um, well, the three and the uh, and the Y both, uh, they're um, they're they're unique because there's quite a bit of new technology. I will tell you, the most technology we've ever seen in any car was the um, hideously ugly BMW i3. Right. But it was yeah. loaded. I mean, the, the carbon, oh, the carbon fiber, fiber, the yeah. the castings that they had, all kinds of stuff was absolutely brilliant. And that that's what makes you get up in the morning, uh, at least for me, anyway. But the uh, uh, but the the Tesla taking that apart's got to come in when you get below the skin, taking away all that other stuff, and then you start having a look at the electronics and the motor design and everything. That that's really exciting. We find something new every day. In fact, we're still finding new stuff right now, and we're not quite done the report. Mm-hmm. And um, so, guys are ke- are coming back saying, "Hey, did you know?" And then there's another thing that we're adding to the report. But it's it's definitely unique. And and again, we don't tear apart the whole uh, car when we uh, when we're doing other analysis, like for. Uh, many of our customers wanted to know about inverter converters and uh, and uh, dielectric motors themselves and whatnot. Yeah. 
um, when we do one of those, when we're doing that sort of stuff, we don't, I don't care about the seats, nobody cares about the body, all they want to know about is the electronics, the wiring, the electric motors, that, that sort of thing. And uh, that's, where, that's where Tesla becomes the most exciting product uh, that, we, uh, that we've looked at, and that's, and that's saying a lot. So were you, as a kid, did you like to take things apart and figure out how they work? Is this, what, have you been kind of training for this your whole life, in a way? <clears throat> well, okay, so when I was young, <laughs> people don't believe it, but I started working on a farm when I was about nine. Uh, they, uh, uh, farmers have a tendency to think that, uh, you know, if you're sitting around eating, you should be doing something. So one of my first jobs wasn't really tearing them apart, but trying to fix them after the farmer uh, broke it. So, um, so I learned a lot of things on, uh, on vehicles and, uh, and farm equipment. I learned quite a bit in, um, in my youth, uh, trying to make them so that they would work again. So that part, um, that part of me is, uh, is still inquisitive, if you like. And as time went by, you know, uh, I fixed my own cars. Uh, I had a tendency to buy race cars and I had a, uh, um, a what do you call it, a Jaguar that continuously needed something done. So, uh, so I got, I, I was deep into uh, fixing and, and repairing and taking apart and putting back together or taking broken stuff and putting it back together my whole life. It's been, been a curse and a blessing at the same time, I guess. Is, is there anyone in your estimation from what you've seen, is there anybody that's even close to Tesla in the, in the EV world? No. That's, Short answer. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it's just, it's, you know, no. that's sort of the, as Tesla fans and, and you kind of look in the marketplace, we kind of see it as that way. Like, yeah, there's just, other than the Porsche with the Taycan seems, they seem to have made no. an absolutely spectacular vehicle with it, with a, you know, it's a, hey, a price tag, price tag to match, but yeah, it seems yeah. great. But yeah, that's why I was curious to, to hear it from, from what you've seen. And it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I don't know what, what do you attribute that to Sandy? Is it, is it just how. The, the continuous improvement that you talked about on one of your videos is it is it the the talent there is or is it just sort of a, a magic secret sauce combination um actually um you know uh things were tough during the obama years and uh lots and lots of people in detroit lost their jobs and lots and lots of people at nasa lost their jobs and raytheon and lockheed martin and uh, these, were, these were people who were young and, um, and had master's degrees and PhDs and had a lot to offer uh, the planet. And uh, unfortunately, uh, they wound up uh, in, the unemployment in the unemployment line. So the clever thing that Elon Musk did was he hired all these guys and he brought them out to California and he stuck them into... Uh, into jobs that they really and truly wanted to be in. So rocket ships, big diggers, um, even flamethrowers and cars. <laughs> so you, you get what you pay for. And, uh, and he got some of the best talent on the planet. And that's the other thing. He didn't just look here in the United States. He looked all over the world to find yeah. the talent that he wanted. And so consequently, what you see is um, that uh, that 
that, that expertise or that uh, enthusiasm, the inventiveness and whatnot. If you put inventive, knowledgeable people in an environment and you shove pizza boxes underneath the, uh, the, the door and say, don't come out until you're finished, you're going to get some pretty amazing things. And that's kind of like what, uh, what Tesla did. They used the, um, they used the uh, investors' monies uh, wisely um, and, uh, and came out with wonderful things. And that's why I think most of the people that sold short, they don't understand that mode. Right. Um, and so consequently, that's why... In fact, there's still uh, still people saying, you know, oh, it's going to collapse. Oh, you better sell your stock. It's eight hundred bucks. <laughs> I mean, uh, when when do you know that the Titanic has actually hit the iceberg? Right. I mean, really? <clears throat> so um, so anyway, I don't want to get into that. But there's lots and lots of financial folks that'll come on and talk about blah blah whatever, and they'll they'll throw rocks at uh, Tesla. But at the end of the day, Tesla did two things. One what I just talked about, hiring the best people. And two, uh, <laughs> I talked about this a little while ago. I, uh, I can't remember to who, but, but, but Elon Musk said that his biggest worry um, is that he won't get the talent because it's been blocked by screening uh, pe- people who screen people, like uh, HR people. Because HR people are trained to look at you know what was your what was your uh, grade level? Um, did you uh, did you have some fun after school projects? <laughs> yeah. um, you know bullshit as far right. as I'm concerned. But anyway, that that kind of stuff is very very popular with uh, with HR kind of people. But in most cases, the people that I hire, I okay. Um, uh, some of my guys have got PhDs and master's degrees. Others have got engineering degrees. And some don't have anything. And you know what? Um, some of the ones who don't have anything come in with, they're brilliant. They're, they just didn't get the opportunity. Right. And they spend their whole life doing nothing but focusing their attention on those things that, that interest them. And those things that interest them are the things that I'm looking to uh, to hire. I want guys. I've got guys here that uh, that uh, electronics guys. All they want to do is work on electronics things. They spend their time at night not watching TV, but searching out new inventive ways of uh, manufacturing things, or inventing new ways to uh, to send signals, or 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 make computations like in an IC. That's the kind of people that I want to hire. I want to hire people that are enthusiastic about their job. I, I, everybody's got things that they need to do outside, family things. I don't care about that so much. I want to care about the guy that's going to be a workaholic <laughs> and really, really loving his job. That's what I want. Well, I've got so, uh, a bunch more questions for you. I'm starting to run out of time. Yeah. Uh, the, fr- the first thing I wanted to get into, because we're going to get into Cybertruck here in a second, which I know you're super excited about. But yeah. to kind of close the loop on, on Model Y and everything you've been doing there, and you've already, of course, did the Model 3 a few years ago, what in your experience now should terrify other automakers about Tesla? And also, what is the biggest area that Tesla still needs to improve based on everything you've seen? Okay, so let's talk about the terrifying things first. Um, um, if I was working for another automotive company, I would want to know everything I could find out 
about the electronics that are in these cars. And I'd like to try and find out how their electric motors do what they do, because we're still, uh, we're still mystified. We've, we've got lots of theories and we know a lot of information, but those are the two, t two things right there that, uh, that would run terror into, and quite frankly, Toyota and Volkswagen have both said, we, it's gonna take us a long time to try and catch up on these yep. electronics. Okay, so that's the terrifying part. The, uh, the part that, uh, that I am really sad about is uh, still the worst paint job, period. Uh, they wow. need to, they really need to go in there and do something with paint. And in the uh, teardowns that were, or not teardowns, but in the evaluations that we're doing here with the Ram, the F-150 and, uh, and the Chevy Silverado, oh uh, man, I'm telling you what, the Ram, we put the, because they're both red cars, we put mm -hmm. the, the red truck and a red car together and we're looking at it, my God, the guys at Tesla should go over and talk to the people over at Chrysler and say, can we please borrow whoever it is that's, uh, that's copying, that's doing your paint jobs? We need that person for a little while, like six months to a year to straighten right. out our area. That's the worst part. So that, that's where they need, to, they, need to, they need to do something about that, that and fit and finish. So. Mm. That's, that is a little bit of a bummer to hear that uh, after you know, they've been manufacturing for this long. But... Hopefully, uh, you know, people like you pointing it out, it will hopefully improve. Uh, so, all right, Cybertruck. Now, Sandy, a quick background on me. You don't know this. I owned a DeLorean for many years. It was my dream <laughs> car as a kid. Uh, really? And, and I would get asked all the time about the stainless steel body. So from you, I wanted to ask you, from your expert perspective in the automotive industry, why haven't any other automakers, until Tesla coming up now, bothered with a stainless steel body for a car? Is it a cost issue, longevity, the fact that the, the, car, the bodies last too long, or both, or something else? I'm just sort of curious, because for me, having owned that car for 12 years, the stainless steel was, was my favorite part of the car. It was at, because I just didn't have to worry about it. There was no waxing, there was no, if, if, uh, if it got scratched, I could take the scratch out with a heavy-duty Scotch-Brite pad, so for you, for you, what, why has no one else done this? So, <clears throat> you worked, you had a DeLorean. Well, I did. I worked on the DeLorean. I tried to uh, salvage the car. So, um, um, because it was dying. Uh, we, I was working for Modern Engineering. Okay. Actually, I was working for Howling Engineering, who was working for Modern Engineering, who was working for somebody else. <laughs> and my job was to try and figure out why it was that if you close the door, run down the window, the car would stop. There was a whole bunch of things, little idiosyncrasies that that, that car had. Right. Now, as far as your stainless steel body is concerned, okay, the stainless steel was very thin and it cost a fortune right. to make those panels. And they had to continuously uh, do um, uh, polishing and whatnot for the, for the doors, uh, for, yeah, well, the doors, but every other part that was stainless steel in there. Mm -hmm. They had to go and polish those things up all the time because the stainless steel just beats the daylights out of stamping dies. So the reason that you don't see any more stainless steel products is because of the DeLorean. Everybody <laughs> learned a lesson there. <clears throat> nobody wanted to, uh, nobody wanted to uh, do that again. Nobody wanted to be uh, John DeLorean and, uh, and have a problem, so. 
Well, here we go. Tesla's going to do it, though. They're going to put that stainless steel, well, you know, different different grade of stainless on the on the truck. But uh, nevertheless, uh, it will be. I think it's. I think people are going to be very customers. I think will be very happy with having a stainless steel body on their truck that they just don't really have to worry about. Um, so Elon and uh, the chief designer Franz von Holzhausen at Tesla have talked a little bit about how the Cybertruck's going to be built, which I know is a is a, of big interest to you, and that's a big part of the expert analysis you provide is sort of how much does this cost. I, I watched a podcast with you from right after the Cybertruck reveal where you were talking about how how much simpler it's going to be than say the the F one fifty or something like that, but. Um, can you kind of explain in a bit more detail just how this thing is going to be built and what the cost savings, not literal numbers, but what sort of the, the cost looks like in general terms with this origami folding the stainless process and the, the complete lack of a paint shop? Well, um, I've talked about this quite a bit. And actually, um, the podcast uh, that we released uh, uh, today, actually, um, is going to talk a lot more about it. You, you can get a lot of detail there. Excellent. It takes a long time for me to, to, to get through everything. And, uh, and that's a really long, a, a long video for us. Well, if you've, but, got a, if you've got something up, we can, I can certainly just point people that way. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but, but let me just, uh, just say it simply. Yeah. If I was going to make um, a unibody, because that's basically what you've got there, a unibody, or for the guys in Europe, they call it a monocoque. You have two options. One is to use an exoskeleton, which is like the Cybertruck, and one's an endoskeleton, which um, the Honda uh, Ridgeline has. So mm -hmm. th those are the only two options. And if you uh, go online and, and have a look at what the Honda looks like under the skin, I mean, God, it's like it's hundreds and hundreds of parts and uh, th thousands of hours of, uh, of fooling around. So, <clears throat> um, if you look at the um, if you look at the exoskeleton, you're looking at very simple, clean lines. Okay, there's a lot of welding, and uh, that's fine. That's all TIG welding, and it's going to be like 100% welded, and it's going to be it's going to be 100% done by a robot. So it's going to be, for the most part, a really, really simple and small, very small body shop. And without the paint, without the paint there's no paint yeah. needed. Okay, now we're talking about a half a billion dollars. Wow. That's, that's, the, that's the number that you'd need if you're looking at uh, trying to build a car at scale. So you're looking at 150,000 a year, or even 100,000 a year. I'm gonna need a really expensive thing to put the paint on. <clears throat> that's kind of like, um, that's kind of that's kind of what your 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 big differentiation points are, no okay. paint, and uh, and very very simple tooling. Boy, I didn't realize the numbers were that eye popping on it. That's crazy. Uh, oh, you now, can't believe it. Think about think <laughs> no, about can't. this. There's <laughs> millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in all those little teeny tiny pieces that you've got to make for the endoskeleton, yeah. and then you got then you got to really dig into your pockets because you're going to be pulling out more millions of dollars to do the body panels. And you usually, uh, you have two dies, two sets of dies minimum to, uh, to make sure that you can keep up with production. Right. And they continuously have to be polished. So um, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. 
<clears throat> so real quick before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about one of Tesla's other future cars, the next generation Tesla Roadster. Now, uh, I, I don't know if you dabble much in, in supercars in your line of work, but I'm, <clears throat> I, my, I am of the opinion that that, uh, that car is probably going to have a carbon fiber body for weight and, and strength reasons. The original Tesla Roadster was carbon fiber. Do you have any thoughts on that? Okay, so um, uh, first off, <clears throat> I, um, Monroe has worked on two F1, with two F1 um, racing car companies, and we've worked on some supercars. I have NDAs, I can't talk too much about sure. them, but I will tell you that um, carbon fiber has come a long way since hand layups and things like that. I personally, if I was going to be making a car under 50,000 units a year, I would make the thing out of um, carbon fiber. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because if you think the tooling is cheap for the Cybertruck, you cannot believe how cheap it is to make a, uh, to make a carbon fiber components. The newer, the newer methods, uh, thermoforming methods and whatnot, they, uh, they can crank out <clears throat> lots and lots of parts, but the, the molds, they don't, they don't wear out. Huh. I mean, there's very little pressure to push them into place, these flat panels into place. And when you're done, you're done. Yeah. And then basically it's a lot of glue and a lot of robots uh, with, uh, with either heaters or light systems to put them together. So I personally, if I was going to make a supercar, it would definitely be, um, definitely be out of uh, carbon fiber. And I can tell you that I could make it for cheap, cheap, cheap. A lot cheaper than a, than a conventional, any kind of conventional vehicle, whether it's aluminum or steel or magnesium and aluminum, whatever. The combination doesn't matter to me. Carbon fiber should be the cheapest way to go. Interesting. But, it's, but you sort of mentioned under 50,000. So is there, is there a point where the economics on it flip? <clears throat> and if you're, you know, you wouldn't, you, why you, we don't see mass-produced cars that are entirely carbon fiber for the most part? It gets too expensive and it's too slow. Okay. Um, you you move up quickly to aluminum. Yeah. Uh, depending on what uh, you know what what sort of vehicle you've got, and then after that, it's impossible to beat steel. Um, steel is extremely inexpensive and um, and it forms nicely and things like that. So um, it's uh, there's there's certain stand there's certain points where it makes sense to do this versus that. Right. And uh, and it makes sense for uh, for carbon fiber up to about fifty thousand or less, and over that it starts to look at aluminum as being your optimum choice, and then after that it's steel and steel all the way. Interesting. <clears throat> I, yeah. like, I like learning things like that. That's cool. Now I've got to mm -hmm. let you go, but before I do, you're not mm -hmm. here for your health, Sandy. You're here. You've got a YouTube channel, <laughs> Monroe Live. Uh, you're you're sort of. Uh, pivoting your your operations a little bit at least as far as the public visibility goes you've announced that you're going to be doing uh, as much pre-cybertruck coverage as possible leading up to the cybertruck because no doubt you like me have seen the the massive interest uh, in all things cybertruck so can you kind of explain to my audience give give yourself a plug here what are you up to with with Cybertruck and what are you going to be doing on your channel here in the coming months leading up to the the truck's release? Well, actually, um, we've already started a series that compares the F one hundred and fifty 
and the uh, Chevy Silverado, <clears throat> Chevy Silverado, and the uh, and the Ram, and um, uh, the introductory thing came up last week. I can't remember. I think it was on Friday or something like that. The uh, first issue is out today, and there'll be four more after that. Great. Once a week. I can't do this. Uh, <laughs> I, I, have a st- I have a day job as well. <clears throat> so um, so the, uh, I think you're going to be really excited. The, the number of comments that we've gotten back for, uh, from these two, two videos is uh, pretty staggering. I thought because it was like <clears throat> about a half an hour long, we were going to have everybody dropping off, but it, but actuality, the numbers are the, the numbers are huge. Uh, they're great. they're 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 bigger than normal because there's lots of stuff to go and have a look at. There's lots of stuff to see. So um, so that's that's the good news there. But we <laughs> we can't stay alive like that. So what we really are trying to do is get people to go to um, sales at leandesign uh, dot com and that. Um, and that's where we sell reports. And if you happen to be an engineer and you need to know something about the, uh, the Tesla Model Y, the Tesla right. 3, the uh, BMW i3, or a myriad of other, like there's a 10, 10 motor study. Uh, we, we've got studies uh, that show all the costs and all the little doodads inside of the, all, all the electronics units. And the big thing right now is, um, <clears throat> thanks. <clears throat> the big thing right now is uh, talking about <clears throat> is talking about the um, um, uh, what do you call them the ADAS systems, and so we're actually pumping those out as well. So if you need to know anything about any of those systems, then contact us at sales um, at leandesign.com. Brilliant. Sandy Monroe, I really appreciate you taking the time. The YouTube channel, Monroe Live, M-U-N-R-O is the proper spelling there. Sandy, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks so much to Sandy for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, I am going to hold the Ride the Lightning calls for this week because I'm already already at an hour here, so I want to be respectful of your time. But keep those calls coming if you want to react to something in the Sandy interview, uh, something in the news this week, any Tesla question, comment, discussion topic, send it in. I'll give you the info here real quick. One of two easy ways you can send in a call. Either way, please limit your call to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many calls each week as possible. And you can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It is a toll-free number. Dial it up anytime. That number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. All right, uh, let me move on now to the back part of the show with the video game recommendation for the week. As uh, if you're still still at home, still working from home, still staying safe at home, if you're able to, uh, I wanted to mention Halo the Master Chief Collection this week. Now, you may have heard, depending on how close you follow the world of video games, 
You may have heard about this game's absolutely nightmarish launch from a technical perspective, because this actually came out, wow, six, almost six years ago. It'll be six years this fall. 2014, this thing released. But to the developer's credit, the team at 343 Industries at Microsoft, that team has put in an incredible amount of continuous work over the past several years, and now it really is everything that it set out to be originally. It's a great way to get ready for Halo Infinite on the new Xbox Series X this holiday, uh, the new console launching this holiday, and it's the first new Halo, first new mainline Halo in five years. The series has never gone that long between mainline entries. Uh, I adore Halo. It is uh, just a wonderful science fiction story. Great first-person shooter gameplay. It's been a great series for two decades now. Uh, and the Master Chief Collection rounds up uh, Halo 1, 2, 3, 4, and then the side story Halo, uh, th Halo 3 ODST, as well as uh, they've got even got Halo Reach in there now, which is the prequel. So there are actually six Halo games in this thing, uh, so if you could just you just get it all, and it's there, and all the multiplayer's there, and it works great. Uh, they're now bringing it to PC. I think they're 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 working through some initial issues on the PC side, but if you're playing and buying on Xbox uh, Xbox One, it is really fantastic. So enjoy that if you're interested. And the pro tip of the week this week: Mike from Charlotte went on a road trip and well uh, found out something interesting about eating at superchargers. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Ryan, this is Mike from Charlotte, North Carolina. Just thought I'd share a really cool pro tip idea. My wife and I recently did a road trip down to Cocoa Beach, and with a lot of the dietary restrictions uh, for her, it kind of just limited to what we were able to eat by superchargers. But uh, something that I um, have not seen a lot of information about is the fact that DoorDash does a great job of delivering to superchargers. So if you just... Um, uh, input kind of roughly when you're going to be arriving and uh, you can use the um, address location and then in DoorDash or Postmates or anything like that you can just put driver details or driver instructions saying hey I'm at the Tesla chargers and it's pretty common sense uh, doesn't really work well at airports but any place that's normally like a shopping center or just a common easier to spot area it works out really really well we were able to eat uh, really good food and utilize the the benches outside so, hope that helps. Thanks for what you do. I never would have thought of that, Mike. I actually, I have a dairy allergy myself, so your call, your your pro tip there, really hit home for me because I have to be very careful about my food choices when I'm out as well. I'm going to keep that pro tip in mind for the next time I'm on a trip in the car. Thank you very much for calling in. I appreciate that. And again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something interesting about your car, uh, that's maybe not obvious, maybe it's not in the manual, or in like with Mike there, you heard kind of a more Tesla experience <laughs> type of thing. I'd love to hear about it. I love the pro tips of the week. Uh, they are great. I think uh, they're a nice little little cherry on top at the end of the show. So please send it in. You can send it in the same way that you send a phone call my way as well. All right, before I go, I want to say thank you to Immaculate Reflections and remind you, that not only are uh, they the probably most awesome Bay Area detailer, and I say that, of course, 
very biased because <laughs> I know I've, I've gotten to know Jeff at Immaculate Reflections really well. Just a tremendous person and a, and a, a meticulous card detailer, does incredible work. He is offering discounts for listeners of this podcast. You got to mention the podcast and uh, go from there and, uh, and hopefully you'll be happy with, uh, with the result, both discount wise and then the work. So whether you're doing a, a full just clay bar wash wax, a nice deep clean for your car, or you want to do the paint correction, you want to do, you heard Sandy Monroe talk about paint quality being the number one issue that he feels that Tesla has yet to resolve. So uh, a good detailer like Immaculate Reflections can can really clean up a lot of those paint issues. He did for me on my car when I got mine. So paint correction, paint protection film, ceramic coating, whatever you want to do, Jeff will work with you to get it done, let him know your budget and what you're thinking, and uh, he'll make it happen. So irdetailing.com. That's the Immaculate Reflections website. Visit it. Get in touch with Jeff there. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com, as always, has a wonderful stock of Tesla accessories, both for you and for your car. Kind of uh, neat aftermarket things, improved lighting kits being a big one. You want to do like the bat signal underneath your car with the, when those, those pud they call them puddle lights. When you open the door to the car, the light that shines down from the open door. You can swap that out very, very easily through uh, the kits at abstractocean.com. And you can change that to the Tesla T logo that shines down, super cool. You can do the Model 3 logo or SRX, depending on what you've got. So there's that, there's the, the center console uh, vinyl wrap kits to change the look and feel of the center console that is otherwise very prone to scratching and fingerprinting, etc., etc. Just browse around, see what they've got, abstractocean.com. And when you're done, pile everything you're going to buy into your shopping cart and then use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST at checkout, and you will get 15% off of your first order at abstractocean.com. PureTesla.com slash RTL is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. 128 gigabyte kit is $49, ships free anywhere in the US. Same with the $69 kit that's 256 gigabytes. Fun fact, uh, I realized I've had my, I actually had to go back and check, I've had my kit for six months now, my pure Tesla kit. And just the last time I took the car out over the weekend to my favorite dog walking spot, I I filled up the 128 gig. So it took me six months to fill it up. So then I finally had to, had to take it out of the car, bring it up, wipe it, and then put it right back in the car. So I know it's not gonna be filling up again for quite a while. But anyway, it comes fully formatted, ready to go, just straight out of the package, right into your car, all set, Mac or PC compatible, no issues there. PureTesla.com slash RTL for that. And then Jada, my friends there, uh, this, uh, another quick temporary discount going on, $20 off of their brand new version three wireless charging pad. Use the coupon code MEMORIAL20. Uh, that will actually get you $20 off the charging pad, and then if you want $10 off the USB hub, that's Memorial 10. Or if you want to buy both, 
put them both in your cart, use the coupon code MEMORIAL30, and you will get that combined thing, the $30 off both of them. So again, that, that new iteration of the wireless charging pad, which I consider an essential accessory, really, because uh, just about every smartphone now supports Qi wireless charging. And in fact, Tesla pretty much agrees that it's an essential uh, accessory because they're putting them, they're putting the wireless charging pads in every Model Y. But for now, the Model 3, grab that Jada wireless charging pad and you will be good to go on that. Uh, finally, if you are not already subscribing to the podcast, you can do so free of charge on your favorite podcast service, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, which is in the Tesla. And thank you to the people that alerted me this week to tune in, not updating the with the latest episode. I was able to successfully get in touch with them and that issue was rectified. So hopefully that will not be a problem moving forward. I'm also on Spotify and you can also subscribe to the podcast on YouTube if you like. It's just audio. There is, there's no video. All you'd see would be a, a snoring dog on the couch. But uh, yeah, it's just, just the audio of the show. But if you just prefer to listen on YouTube, if you're at at your desk at work, whatever, and YouTube is easy for you. You can subscribe there. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla and you'll find my channel very easily. You can follow me on Twitter and or Instagram if you're interested. It's the same username at both, at DMC underscore Ryan. And then, yeah, finally, just the Patreon. Again, thanks to everybody that that uh, heard me last week and got a, got some uh, new patrons this week, which I super duper appreciate. If you didn't hear it last week, or maybe you're still considering it, I will humbly say once again, a lot of time and energy and love goes into this podcast. Hopefully that comes through. Hopefully all those things come through. And if you're, if you're willing and able in these uh, uncertain times, I would sincerely appreciate your support on Patreon. It will always be a voluntary thing. The podcast is always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall or anything like that. But if you do choose to support my work here with Ride the Lightning, there are some fun little perks that are that are part of your Patreon support. Uh, there's the early access to the episode, and these all stack. So the higher you go, you get them all. But the, the early access, then the next one above that is the uh, bonus episode that I mentioned at the top of the show I should be getting done this weekend. There's the Patreon producer shout-out at the producer tier, which I'm going to do here in a second. And even if you want to keep going, there's a monthly one-on-one Google Hangout with me if, uh, if, you, if you go that way up the ladder there. So onward, upward, I appreciate any support that you are willing to give. If you want to take a look at the Patreon page and maybe consider a pledge, it's patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And now I do want to shout out the wonderful Patreon producers, starting with the new ones. Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, and Steve Radspinner, thank you all so much for your new support and ongoing support. I sincerely appreciate it. Alongside the existing wonderful crop of Patreon producers, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, 
Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Ish, and Ramey from TeslaProTips.com. Thank you to all of you for your support of the podcast. Every pledge makes it, it all just collectively adds up. That's the whole point. Everybody, uh, people can pitch in a little and it adds up to, to a, a nice bit that uh, does make a difference, a positive difference in my life and my family's life. So thank you. And I, again, in, invite your support if, uh, if you feel so inclined. All right. For a snoring Daisy the Boxer puppy, my name, of course, is Ryan McCaffrey. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for your time and attention. That it, it, It's so valuable, your time uh, particularly and I don't take that lightly. I appreciate that you generously give me that hour plus every week, and I try to make the best use of that time, try to have some fun, talk Tesla, just this wonderful hobby and enthusiasm that we collectively share. So I wish you a safe, happy, and healthy week, and until next time, happy electric motoring. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.